Hey, 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 everybody. Connor here. Before we get into this amazing new episode of the pod featuring Ben Rappaport, I wanted to stop by and first of all, welcome you to drama. Thank you for finding us. My brother and I are over the moon that you're here. But I want to tell you that in addition to these weekly Wednesday episodes, we also have extra episodes on our bonus content platform on Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast, where Dylan and I bring you that extra content that I just mentioned. In addition to that, you get added to our Instagram close friends. So for $5 a month, you get more drama, you get juicy drama on the IG, and you get to support the pod and you get to help make it easier for us to keep making this for you every single week. Thank you so much. I hope everyone's having an amazing summer or wherever whenever you're listening to this in the future. And I think you're really going to love this episode. All right, time for the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got none? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, it is the second best time of the year after Tony's season. It's Pride. And it comes right after, (laughs) right? I know. I'm so excited. In a few short hours, I will be en route to Columbus, Ohio for our yearly tradition Mm -hmm. of Columbus Pride. I am so excited. I like it way better than New York Pride. Ooh, that's a hot take. Well, I don't want to say Columbus Pride's small, though. I I think it's actually the biggest in the Midwest. But, you know, outside of the big cities. I feel like people come near and far for it. Totally. Chicago and Columbus are the bigger ones in the Midwest. And then, obviously, New York is huge. But it's just less intimate. There's less opportunities in New York to, like see the same people. I feel like in Columbus, it's it's more of a community vibe. It totally is. It's not just like circuity and $100 tickets to be like shirtless with other gay men, like in a dark bar for hours after, you know, it's more like we're outside, we're at house parties. It, it just feels a lot more what hashtag pride means to me, which is community. Oh, period. <laughs> and yes, it can mean I lots, love it. I love it. And it can mean lots of things to different people, but I just love being all together and like remembering why we're celebrating. And I feel like randomly, <laughs> not randomly, but this year, why is pride so controversial again? Like between Starbucks and Target and it's crazy. It's the most joyful thing one could celebrate just being yourself. And it's so sick that it's, I mean, literally under attack, but that's why we got to party harder this year. Well, I think it's all just, it's all just a, not to get political on the <laughs> pod, but I think it's all just a smoke screen. It's a distraction from all the other things yeah. that are going on. And they want to just attack the little guy because they want to draw attention away from the other horrors that are going on and that the Republicans are doing. And, you know, it's all just, it's tough, but we are going to celebrate. We're, we're not going to let anything get us down. We have Columbus pride. And then like we were telling our guests beforehand, then I'll be en route to New York city to join you for New York pride. And of course, I'll be sneaking in some Broadway shows while we're there. Hopefully, one of them will be the show that our guest today is in. I was just going to say, it's one of those shows from last season that neither of us have seen yet, because I know we wanted to go together. And I'm so excited mm-hmm. that he's here today to rep the show. I mean, fresh yes. off their lead actor having a big Tony win, and apparently a very well-deserved one. Also, there's been some celebs in the audience this week at the show. So we're going to talk about it all. I feel like a lot of celebs. We're going to talk about it all. 
And, you know, I must say, this has been a guest that we've had on our famous Google Doc for a long time. <laughs> for years, mm-hmm. even for years. I'm going to bring him in. Our guest today is a leading man of stage and screen, currently starring opposite newly minted Tony Award winner Sean Hayes in Good Night Oscar on Broadway. You'll surely remember him from his turn as Perchick in Fiddler on the Roof, or perhaps in Picnic on Broadway, alongside Sebastian Stan, Ellen Burson, and Reed Burney. This Texas-born performer has been featured off-Broadway in Actually, We're Fucked, Sex Lives of Our Parents, and The Gingerbread House. He is perhaps best known as the star of Outsourced on NBC and Shonda Land's For the People on ABC. This star also appeared in Inventing Anna, Law and Order SVU, Younger, Mr. Robot, Ozark, The Good Wife, Modern Love, Evil Monsterland, Blind Spot, God Friended Me, and Elementary. On film, he's been seen in Hope Springs with Meryl Streep, The Brass Teapot, Better Off Single, Landing Up, and Ask for Jane. He's a decorated Juilliard School graduate, husband to Broadway star Megan Kane, and an absolute stud. Please welcome to drama, Ben Rappaport. Hello. Oh my God. I love, what, a, what a lovely intro. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, we're so happy to have you. You know, you were talking about Goodnight Oscar and Sean's Tony win. I feel like we're all still kind of like basking in the afterglow of that. I mean, it, it's just, it's truly like one of the most exciting things that's happened in a very long time. Man, does he deserve it. It's, it's, I remember we started rehearsal in Chicago and like the first table read, I was like, this guy's going to win the Tony. Just wow. watch, just watch. And that was at the Goodman, right? At the Goodman last year. Yeah. It's also kind of just funny, like to hear you guys talk about like already a few days later, it's last season. It's already the new season of, uh, of, of Broadway. It's, it's like, it's crazy. So the Goodman that happened March, 2022. That's right. Yeah, we started we started rehearsals on Valentine's Day 22 and then and then we performed it March April. Yeah. Hey, that's when we had Ethan on the podcast. Oh, I love Ethan's a good buddy. He's he's off yeah. being very fancy across the pond right now. We had a great time. We had such a good time in Chicago together. What a great guy. Mhm. And he w- he was on when he was doing Goodnight Oscar in Chicago. It was so much fun. That's cool. We like to check in with all of our guests as soon as we say hello and see how you're doing. Are you well? I am very well. My day to day is so great right now. I mean, I get to, I get up and have, you know, time with my wife and my dog and we take walks and we get coffee and I go to the gym and, you know, do the emails and deal with the DMV and all that crap. And then at night, I get to go to the Belasco Theater, which is like the most gorgeous theater on Broadway, in my opinion. And it's the second oldest, which I think is really cool. And it's haunted. Yeah, and it's haunted. That is true. Speaking of, we just took a bunch of the company members just took a tour of the... Do you guys know about the Blasco apartment above the theater? Yes. Yeah, we just took a a guided tour above there. And it's just... I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it. It is just like... un. What an unbelievable building. It's it's really cool. Didn't he have like a, a trap door or something that he could open and then watch the performers oh, down below? So in at the Lyceum, there was like a little door that would open from the from the office that would look down. And um, but at the Belasco, so backstage left is a an elevator shaft that's now covered in um, aluminum siding. But that elevator you went right up to his apartment. How cool. And so you wouldn't know it now. It just looks like this random kind of column. But when you're up in the apartment, 
you see the elevator door and the sh- and like if you look through the elevator like the glass of like the elevator door you can see the flies of the stage so yeah that used to be his access to to the stage creepy a, cre- a creepy dude for sure oh yeah yeah he used to be he used to call him the bishop of broadway because he wore a clerical collar <laughs> He was like a he was like a Jewish kid from San Francisco. Just a fashion <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It was just, but he was like he was like a pioneer of a lot of like modern stage techniques. Like I think he was the first guy to like put gels in front of lights to make you know different different color like washes on stage. Wow. And um, he was like a pioneer of a lot of modern stagecraft. And there we are doing our show. It's just. As you can tell, I'm kind of a history nerd. Like that's a big part of like. No, I love it. Yeah, that's so cool. Have you had any ghostly encounters yet? I have had something happen that I think is that. So a couple weeks ago, at the end of the dressing room hallways, we have trash cans with lids where we we're supposed to put like food items so that you know, like you know, they're not just kind of sitting in the dressing rooms, and so. I remember, I don't remember what time of day it was, but I was, I was bringing out like, it was after dinner break or something. I brought my food out, put it in the, at the end of the hallway, put the lid on it. And then I went down the stairs to the call board and I was talking to some people and I could see out of the corner of my eye, that trash can, like up like one flight of stairs on my dressing room hallway. And I heard like a a clang on the floor and it was the lid had kind of like projectile flown off the trash can. It wasn't just like, oh, it was on the trash can and then just kind of like teetered over and fell. It was like, it went like halfway down the hallway. So that's kind of, I believe that maybe that was David Belasco's way of like kind of welcoming us to the theater, but also like making his presence known, like welcome, but this is still my house kind of thing. And a lot of people have like experienced, like sometimes like, We'll experience just doors randomly closing um, when there's no one there and there's no wind. So, you know, it's that's he's there. (laughs) He's there. I love that kind of stuff. He's there. Yes, yes. (laughs) I used to work at Phantom of the Opera back in the day. Yeah. My survival job when I when I graduated from school, I worked in the theater refreshment company. And so we used to do all the Schubert houses. And so I used to be one of the water and candy vendors that would like go up and down the uh, the aisles and hawk water and candy. And that Majestic was one of the theaters I worked at. So I used to watch the overture, the first like couple minutes of act one, and then also act two, like every night. So I'm very well acquainted with like a third of that show. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did you have dreams of one day stepping in and playing Raoul or the Phantom? You know, I kind of did. I I mean, the thing is that like, I don't, my vocal range doesn't, I don't think it's really there, but I did always kind of dream of playing the Phantom one day because I remember coming here when I was a kid and like we'd go see Phantom and it was the most epic thing. And it was just, I, I always loved it. But I did have a cool experience because I used to work at the Broadway theater where Shrek was. And I remember it was the same thing. I'd be, I'd be there all the time. And I would literally have the active thought of like, man, I can't wait to like, I want to play this theater one day. I want to be up there. And then fast forward 2015 and 16, that's where we did Fiddler. So it was mm-hmm. a great full circle moment. And the bar manager from another theater that I knew was the bar manager at the Broadway that it's, and we got to like do a broadway.com video together. And like, uh, we took a picture and the, there was this like, article in the times about like actors and their former like you know jobs in the service industry and like how that like supported them 
it, it's uh, there's a lot of cool full circle moments like that in the theater you know oh, i love that so much that's so cute i was gonna ask you what other th shows you worked on as the refreshment guy what so that's like yeah. really really cool it was yeah so it was, it was phantom it was shrek billy elliott at the imperial theater and mama mia at the um at the good old winter garden i think oh in chicago at the ambassador those were my oh. shows and i've got a lot of great stories some of which i got to tell like some of the the like the not so good stories like of people not being so nice to me you know <laughs> um, i got to tell on late like i was on uh jimmy fallon and jay leno back when i was promoting outsourced and so it was a nice satisfying moment to like get those stories out on that platform you know <laughs> oh that's so funny they always want you to bring like a like a funny story right of course yeah like one for example was like i remember i was i was selling water and candy when audience members were coming in through the lobby at the you know before half hour and i remember this british guy asked me how much the water was and i told at the time it was four dollars which was still kind of expensive back then we're talking like 2009 2010 yeah and uh he like he like kind of scoffed and he walked away and then like two minutes later he comes back and he angrily takes out four singles and he basically like throws it in my face he's like he's like fine buy yourself a new face with that four dollars <laughs> and I just oh. like <laughs> <laughs> and then at Mama Mia I remember like I was up in the I was up in the mez and it was in uh intermission I believe and this guy was like making fun of me this like southern old southern guy was like juice oh so you just graduated college huh i'm like yeah and he's like well so this was your major and i was like yeah yeah uh, theater refreshments Aww. was my major dude enjoy your <laughs> enjoy your m&ms you know it, it just people yeah. <laughs> it really it really boggled my mind like some people are just so rude you know and they're um, so rude but i got my revenge and i got to tell those stories on national television so there you go period uh -huh. that's the best kind of revenge yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, wait. So you mentioned that you remember being a kid and coming to the city and seeing Phantom. We like to ask all of our guests about what got them into theater. We call it the Ring of Keys moment, borrowing the term from Fun Home. But we use it as a way to like describe the moment maybe you were watching a performance or you're participating in theater, some kind of way, maybe not even theater, but just maybe you're watching a movie, maybe you were reading a book, maybe you were in choir in school, something like that. Do you feel like you had that moment? Maybe it was seeing Phantom as a, as a youth, but... Yeah, that moment is very, uh, very distinct for me. I um, So as a kid, you know, I was, I was always kind of an artsy kid. You know, I was in, you know, I was painting and drawing and I was in, I was playing guitar. I was in bands in high school, like, you know, ska bands, emo bands, um, like folk punk like I was I was one of those kids and I was kind of like meandering and I was kind of a loner and um our high school was doing Romeo and Juliet um my sophomore year and it was so back then they did previews so what would happen is they there would be like one day in the week where the theater kids would like they get to be out of class the whole day and they would just like every period would present like a 30 to 45 minute section of whatever player musical we were doing like to the school. So like every English class would go in and see this. So like for the theater kids, it was like an amazing day, like a day where we don't have to do class and just perform for everybody. Like that's cool. So first of all, I thought that was really rad. So we, so we went to see, so my English class went in and we saw Romeo and Juliet and they were doing it in this very like contemporary 
way where it was like the Montagues were like, this is like 2002 or 2001, 2002. So it's like the Montagues were like, you know, goth and the, the Capulets were like the preppy kids with like, you know, like Classic. wearing gap kind of clothing or whatever. And I, and I just remember like that, like the, the, there was that contrast and the music was all like, you know, like stuff from cruel intentions, like, you know, colorblind by the counting crows. And like, I mean, the whole, it, it was just aesthetically so pleasing. And then our school's theater program is kind of like legendarily good. And the kids, there were some performers that were, that were just speaking Shakespeare in a way that I finally like could understand it. Like they were, it was so conversational and like, I'd only really read it on the page before, but to hear it out loud in a way that was active and kind of like, I just, I was just so enthralled with it. And then Mercutio's, the Queen Mab speech comes up and the guy who did it just like did it with such passion and like, kind of like, like rafter shattering, you know, just power. And it just got me to my bones. And I was like, Ooh, and I I just had this feeling like you know I've never done this I've never even considered this as any as anything that I would be interested in but like it got me that day and I was like I don't know what I don't know what it is about this but I feel like I have that inside of me and I wanna I wanna do it and so that summer I enrolled like we had this local this place called Progressions Performing Arts where it was like a dance studio that also had like a couple of drama classes over the summer. So I enrolled in that and just to kind of get my feet wet. And the next year, like this girl in my um, social studies class was like, I'm going to audition for the musical. Anything goes. Do you want to be my audition partner? Because I had kind of expressed to her that like, I'm kind of interested in theater stuff. I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, you need tap shoes. I didn't have tap shoes. So I, you know, I went to my mom's sewing kit and I, I got these like brass tacks and I put them in the bottom of old dress shoes, like had like rubber soles. And how uh, inventive. We, I mean, <laughs> it was, it's so funny thinking back. Like, I'm like, I don't know how I got, you know, we did friendship, you know, the number from anything goes. And that audition process, like I got far, like I ended up getting to like the call. I got called back for the lead, Billy Crocker. And I was like reading scenes with with the actors that I like knew from Romeo and Juliet. So it was like kind of like, oh my God, I'm reading with like celebrities. Like it was this <laughs> this just this really like exciting feeling. And I, I and I did not get cast, but the theater teacher wanted to speak to me after you know the auditions went through, and he was like, you 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 didn't get the role. You almost got the role of Billy, but you didn't because your grades aren't that great. I can't give you a role. So like, just get your grades up and we want you in theater. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. And then my first play was Midsummer Night's Dream. And then Annie Get Your Gun. And the woman who ran the program, Allison Frost, who's kind of like my mentor, she's the one who was like, you know, you, she directed Annie Get Your Gun. And she's, she's like, you really have what it takes to like do this for real if you want. And we had these epic afternoons where she'd like, we'd sit in the theater and she'd give me Stella Adler and Sanford Meisner and Uta Hagen and just talk about the art of theater and acting. And, and then that's, that's kind of the beginning of my journey. Wow. That's really amazing. That's incredible. It, it feels nice. like such a perfect storm of circumstances too. Like your school really facilitated love for the arts 
that you went through mm -hmm. an audition process too in school is so fascinating to me. I mean, when we were in school, you like went and sang a song and that was it, you know, then they just picked <laughs> whoever played whoever, but it sounds like you really got some, you know, early training there for what it's like to go through an audition and then what it's like to prepare monologues and work with a director. And you also touched on something that I don't think about enough, but when you're like younger in school and you watch the older kids do theater, they were like little celebs, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it was so appealing. Yeah. Cause then like, you know, after like the play, like that big weekend where the play went up, like yeah. you were known around school as you know? Oh yeah. Um, it's Frank Butler from Annie Get Your Gun. <laughs> <laughs> and selfishly, then when you did it, you'd want people to say good job in the show over the weekend or you were great, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah. It started from a very early age. <laughs> was there validation? Any Come on. <laughs> what was the name of the school? Klein High School in Spring, Texas. Like it's a it's a northwest northwest suburb of Houston. Okay. And we had a lot of a lot of actors came out of there. Like Matt Bomer came from that high school. Let's see, um, Lee Pace, um, <laughs> Sherry Stringfield, who was on ER. Like it, it's a it was a big big like theater high school. A lot of a lot of a lot of folks came out of there. That's amazing. You're listing all of Connor's crushes, Matt I Bomer. Know. I'm like, what's happening um, here? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the water? I always like to ask our guests who had a formative high school experience, but did um have you ever been back to like talk to the students or give a master class or anything? You know, like a series of events happened where like shortly after I left, they ended up sadly bulldozing that auditorium, which is sort of like it was the it had been around since like the 70s, like it was kind of old and moldy. And it's sad because we all like had, you know, up in the rafters, like had like signed our names and dates and stuff. And I was always dreaming of going back and taking a look at it someday. But they completely bulldozed it. They had expanded the school. So that was gone. And uh, that teacher, Allison, who I was telling you about, she left shortly after. And then she now teaches um, on the college level at Texas A&M and Corpus Christi. So I do like I talk to her students like we Zoom over the pandemic. And now like I Zoom into her classes and, and talk to her students. But I I'd still do like I want to go back there to the actual to Klein High School's theater program and 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 talk i think it would be really fun oh, i'd love to do it. so fun they'd be in for a real treat if you did that that'd be so special be so cool. um, and then you end up at juilliard was was allison frost the one who said there's this school you know in new york that she was famous. yeah i mean she was the one like when it came time to to do that so it was summer bef between junior and senior year of high school she, you know she was telling me about some summer theater programs that i should try and so i ended up as a cherub at northwestern university like they had this kind of high school theater program you could stay in the dorms it was like a couple of months and it was like a really formative away from home college-like and also like with all these amazing theater professionals from chicago experience and funny enough we saw i'll get back this will this will be full circle later but that summer we saw a show at the goodman theater um, starring Richard Kind. It was Stephen Sondheim's Bounce before it became Roadshow. Wow. And Richard Kind was starring in that. We had a talk back with him. And, and I was always like, oh, the Goodman, I would have loved to work here someday. And then, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 some odd years later, it happened. So that summer was kind of like my taste of like acting school, conservatory. And I was like, all right, I'm I'm in, like, I'm going to do this. And so she was like, yeah, like, you know, these are all the really great schools. Like, 
try try your luck like audition and she even accompanied me to my DePaul audition because they were like auditioning in doubt the Dallas area so I, I went I did like a, like there were a few like at the Palmer House in Chicago there's like it's this huge conference basically where all the big theater schools come and and you can audition for like I remember I auditioned for that weekend it was like Juilliard, North Carolina School of the Arts, NYU, SUNY Purchase, uh, you know, a bunch of others. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, I have a funny, funny memory of running into my wife, Megan, at that high school, at that Palmer House audition on the elevator after my Juilliard audition. So it's kind of a, you know, there's these these moments of connection and full circle, you know? Yeah. Wait, so when did you meet your now wife, Megan? We met, so we went, I went to Klein High School and she went to a high school called the Woodlands High School, which was like 30, 45 minutes north of us. And we knew each other through like high school theater competitions. Okay. So like we were, we were friends that we kind of like acquaintances that way. And then just we, friends, you never were like, oh my God, there's a little spark here. You guys were never like kissing I was, at the cast party. I always kind of had my eye on her from afar <laughs> being like, ooh, she's hot. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, we never, <laughs> we only like talked once, you know? Okay. We were Facebook friends. And then we oh, ran yes. into each other on a summer at the mall between third and fourth year of college. She was at Webster. I was at Juilliard. And we were like, we ran into each other at Pop Belly with our moms. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I, how are you? And then, we dated from there and then oh. fast forward, you know, almost 16 years and here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. wow. My friend Kelly, we were interns together the summer of 2016. She helped behind the scenes with your engagement. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. We we got engaged on stage at the Broadway Theater after a matinee of, the, of Fiddler on the Roof. And, oh my god um yeah yes. and uh it was cool because we had we had our, both of our family it was one it was one sunday where both of our families you know i really planned it out to have them both in town and both in the house that day and they knew but obviously she didn't you know um, yeah that is so cute and now you're both on broadway at the same time yeah, yeah. isn't that crazy on the east side both of you right yeah yeah no she she's on She's on 43rd Street. I'm on 44th, but it's like the same. It's between the same avenues. So like literally all we have to do is walk through a parking garage. It's like and, and we're at like each other's theaters. It's bananas. She's so, so great cool. in Anne Juliet. I need to see her as Angelique. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's so she's gone on several times and she's so good in that role. So good. Oh, love it. That's so exciting. I remember when she went on, we, Connor and I were texting. We were like. They're not going to make her do a Trinidadian accent. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, luckily, yeah. It's like she, that, that's what's great about their show is like, it's like whoever you are, you do your, your version of this role, like, you know, whatever suits you. And I think that's really great. That's really nice. Well, so we got a little sidetracked from your just journey in general with yeah, Juilliard you know, schooling, yeah. but yeah, I'm curious how that experience was for you. Cause I, you know, I've read about it in Patty LuPone's book and everybody has different experiences, Audra. And, you know, yeah. I'm curious because you, you did win the top award for drama when you were there. I did. Yeah. I, Juilliard was an incredible time for me. I mean, well, first of all, getting in was like, you know, out of seemingly to me, it was like out of nowhere. Like I remember I, like I was talking about auditioning for all those schools. I auditioned for everywhere I could audition for i was really throwing spaghetti against the walls like anybody who wants to take me like let's 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 see where it lands and when when i got into juilliard i, I was like well i have to go there i <laughs> like you know i mean the, come on like this doesn't happen 
So, you know, I moved to New York and I ended up living in the dorms connected to Lincoln Center. And so I got to be like living right in the middle of all of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, I'm this 18 year old kid moving to the city. And so much about Juilliard is just so legendary, you know, like there's just so much sort of like magic in those in that building and so many like incredible celebrated famous people came out of there so it was it was really like god it was the time it's hard to put into words because it was just the time of my young life when new york city is your your college campus you kind of you kind of grow up quicker <laughs> what i loved about juilliard was we had so many different teachers from so many different backgrounds in theater and schools of thought that you get so much and you're encouraged to kind of like build your own toolbox from whatever you're, you're you're taking in that works for you because everyone we're all wired so different and in acting school it's so hard like it's so hard to be prescribed like okay we are learning Meisner and like you're going to be studying Meisner for this amount of years and like you know but that might not work for you you know and so so it was nice to kind of start building a sense of like okay having 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 a rich experience of all these different, you know, like mask, voice work, movement, Suzuki, traditional, like, you know, uh, Shakespearean training, clown, our acting class proper was just like a lot like, you know, some teachers were more Meisner-ish, some were more Strasberg is just kind of like a mix of a bunch of things. They really empowered you to be your own artist and not have to subscribe to like, this is the brand of like, what we're doing here, you know? And I just, I love that. That's so special. And I mean, obviously you're a success story from their program. You know, I want to ask about Picnic before we we dive into some other things, because I'll never forget seeing that photo of Sebastian Stan on stage <laughs> and glistening in the light. What was, that was your first Broadway show. Yeah. Was that, was that through Roundabout? Yeah, it was Roundabout at the American Airlines Theater. It was huge. I mean... Sam Gold, who directed it, was a Juilliard guy. He used to be a Juilliard directing student. So I'd, I'd known him from before. And I auditioned. And I, I remember being so excited when I got it. I mean, the cast was stacked. It was Ellen Burstyn, Reed Burney, Elizabeth Marvel, Mayor Winningham, Sebastian Stan, Maggie Grace. Shan- um, Shannon from Lost. Maggie Grace. <laughs> yeah. Ma- yes. <laughs> Madeline Martin, Maddie Corm, my dear friend, Maddie Corman. And uh, oh, yeah. Cassie Beck, I mean, like it was, it was stacked. Yeah. <laughs> and we had, and, and like just and being on stage at Ellen Burstyn, you know, Academy Award winner, Ellen Burstyn, who's like the president of the actor's studio. Like we're talking like legendary, legendary. So like that was just unbelievable. And it was a revival of this play from 1950, I think like 1953, but it was, there's so many themes in there that are just so relevant to today. So it was like my first experience in diving into an old play, but like really making it fresh for today's audience and making it immediate. And um, I got to do that kind of with Fiddler too, with Bart Scher. But no, Picnic was like the perfect, it was like the perfect entree into Broadway. It was like, it was a short run, but it was really like, I have such fond memories of it, you know? I love it. I, I wish I could go back in time and see it. Cause Dylan, to your point, I remember the Sebastian Stan photos. Yeah, <laughs> that was pre-Marvel. So Seba- well, it was so it was it was leading up to okay. it. So Sebastian and I were dressing roommates, and I remember like he would he would house like full rotisserie chickens and like fish because he was <laughs> he was in the middle of training for Captain America. Okay, and so he was doing that while doing picnic. So I remember like over the course of picnic, 
he's like getting more and more jacked and it was like it was it was wild it was wild but yeah <laughs> that's so funny. yeah it was it was it was definitely like being on stage like you know where the eyes were going when you're on stage like the two <laughs> the two of us like in our in our scene at the beginning but it's all good he worked hard for that you know what i mean <laughs> they're looking at you too ben totally. don't you worry about uh, it especially in fiddler on the roof i mean I feel like you were the eye candy of that one. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I didn't take it <laughs> off. No, I, I was very, I was very covered in that. You were. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think until Evo Van Hova does a fiddler will there anybody be shirtless in that production. So <laughs> I think that we're safe for now. But that was to me the a perfect Broadway musical, perfect outing at the Broadway theater. Danny Burstein obviously was incredible oh, yeah. as Tevia. And that the way that the whole thing was framed with that opening sequence that if you, if you know, you know, and mm -hmm. saw it, but congrats to you on that. That to me, that was the first stint that Connor and I lived in New York. And I just remember it felt like a magical Broadway mm -hmm. experience. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That, I mean, there's so, so much, I mean, I'm getting chills even thinking about that production because so much life was around that show. Like I got engaged on that stage and even my journey to, I mean, uh, my journey to getting that job was really wild. I was on the couch. I was on this, well, not this couch, but an old couch in this spot that I'm just talking to you on. <laughs> and it was like 20, like late 2014, I think. And I saw a Playbill articles like Bartlett Chair is bringing Fiddler on the Roof back to Broadway with Danny Burstein. And the thing is that I've, Fiddler's might have been my favorite musical forever. I remember like when I was a kid, when we were living in Pennsylvania, we went to Three Little Bakers Dinner Theater in, in Delaware. And that's where we used to see all the musicals. And we saw Fiddler there. And so like ever since then, I'd loved it. And I'd seen it over the years. And the one, the Alfred Molina one in 2004, like oh, I'd, yeah. I'd seen it several times with like a friend of mine. And I, I always just, just loved it. I was like, someday I want to play Perchick in this show. Like Perchick would be such a great role. It's such a great show. Like it was my dream musical. And so I turned to Megan and I'm like, I'm playing Perchick in this production. It's happening. And she was like, all right, if you, then you should get yourself in voice lessons and, you know, kind of get, get in vocal shape. And I was like, done. And this was like a year before auditions were even happening. So I enrolled with yeah. Andrew Byrne and I literally for a freaking year, I would drill. Now I have everything Perchick song. <laughs> and I, I was like, I was a madman. I was obsessed and I, I like told my agent and manager, I was like, this is happening. I need to play this role. When the auditions come about, I want, I want audition. And sure enough, like as when the time came, I, I, I got an audition and it was a sort of a lengthy audition process because my singing, the song is a little high for me. And like, I just, there were like certain notes in there that I was having problems with, but like, you know, I, I how many callbacks did I have for that? I think I had like maybe a total of like four, like, like one audition, three callbacks, something like that. Wow. And it was just like, I'd always, it was like, be like, okay, great. Like go back, work on the song and come back in a month kind of thing. Okay. And Ted Sperling, mm. the music director is, was friends with my voice teacher. He was like, oh, I know your voice teacher. So I can tell him what I think you need to work on. And so it was, so it, oh, was, it was just like I could taste it. I was like, oh, come on, come on. And I remember at the final callback, Sheldon Harnick was there. And I remember like I was still struggling with a few of these notes. And also just nervous as hell. And 
And I remember like, and then Ted, at the end of all of it, Ted's like, well, Sheldon, what do you think about these notes at the end? And where he's like playing them on the piano. And then Sheldon's like, what? Oh, the long notes. Oh, just, just make them shorter. <laughs> and I'm like, so it was sort of like, it was like a way of Sheldon, Sheldon, like giving his blessing, you know, for yeah. me in the role yeah. as sort of like, cause you know, I'm an actor first singer second. And, um, and I think that's what, what, why it works is because I, I approached, I approached it in a way that was maybe a little different than some of the other folks who came in and, you know, that had value and, and one thing led to another and boom, I got it. And <sighs> that was like one of the most triumphant moments in this industry, in my life. I mean, just like a moment of real manifestation, like I'm yes. going to do this. I want it. I'm taking it. And lo and behold, it happened, you know? So like, yeah. so that, I mean, that was just the beginning. And then, and then also like my Jewish, like my Eastern European Jewish heritage, like where it takes place on a is in Ukraine. And that's like right where my folks were. And like, they came over around this similar time as when like Tevya and his family came over and we discovered my great grandfather, my great, great grandfather who came over from there had written a book in Yiddish about his time and his shtetl. And my family had it translated a couple of years before into English. So I'm reading these stories that are very much like this. He might as well be talking about Anatevka, like these stories. Mm. And so it was just this, this, mo this life affirming moment of like everything coming together at once. And it was, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to put into words. And then all, and then, you know, getting to do like perform on the Tony awards and do the Macy's day parade and, and do a, a, a long run. It was like a year and change. Mm -hmm. And um, just to experience that, it was really cool. I'm obsessed with that story. Yeah. Amazing. Like you said, man manifesting can work. And also you worked your butt off. So that's just so inspiring. In a very perchic type of way, I will also say. I mean, very scholarly and, and forward thinking of you with that. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's all right. It was like meant to be in that way. It was a because mm -hmm. I'm I'm by no means like a method. I'm not, you know, a method kind of actor <laughs> in any kind of way, but but you're right. I never put two and two together that that like that's kind of how Perchick would have done it. <laughs> I love um, it. You've also done tons of TV, not to, just because I don't I want to be mindful of your time. I mean, The Good Wife, Mr. Robot, Younger. I feel like you've been in all my favorite shows. Oh, thanks. You were you starred in your own show too. Yeah. Like when I was working at the theater refreshment stuff, I was auditioning for pilots. So it was like my second pilot season. And I was like going around town and back when casting offices used to be in person and mm. all the networks had had local New York casting offices and and outsourced. My first show was a pilot that I got a call back for. And then they flew me to L.A. to screen test for it. And the, you know, the short version of the story is that like, I, you know, I was nervous and I was on the lot at Universal and, you know, all these other guys auditioning for guys I recognized, you know, people who were like famous people that I've, you know, known for whatever. Long story short, they told me in the room that I got the job. Which never happens, you know. <laughs> never happens. The direct, like they had called me back from my hotel. I thought I was in trouble or I forgot <laughs> to sign a piece of, you know, a document. <laughs> and the director was like, well, we just wanted to tell you in person that you got it. And go, Ugh. there's an empty office over there. Go call your family, go call your friends and tell whoever you want to tell. And that, be I mean, Outsourced was a pilot on NBC and we got picked up. We did one season for 22 episodes. Mm. And it was like my fifth year of training because it was like from zero to leading a television show on NBC. Like I, I kind of like got to experience the whole gamut of what that means, what it means to 
work on camera and to lead a show and to do press and to, you know, live in LA. And I mean, it was, it was a crash course, but some of my best friends I met on that show and like, it kind of opened, opened the doors for me in, in TV and, you know, yeah. like knock on wood, it continues, but like TV has been my sort of bread and butter for many, many years. And sure. I, it's cool to get to do that and then come home to theater and then go back. It, it's a nice it's yeah. a nice, a nice sort of rhythm, you know. Who was the showrunner of Outsourced? It was Robert Borden. Okay. Um, so he ran the George Lopez show. He was head writer of Drew Carey show. Wow. Um, so Dietrich Bader, who was on Outsource, was also one of the main cast members of Drew Carey shows. So there was a kind of crossover there. But yeah, it was it was really it was such a special time. That's amazing. So, so and when we had previously met in person, I remember telling you how much I loved for the people, which you were, you were, oh, you were thanks. delighted by. I, I I must say you loved that. I loved that show. It was fun. It was sort of like Grey's Anatomy, but lawyers. Yeah. Shonda baby. It was Shonda land. I mean, it was definitely that. And that was such a great time too. I mean, and we, we, we filmed that at Paramount in LA and Paramount of all the lots is like the most sort of like Hollywood romance, like, you know, the, like those famous gates that are in like Sunset Boulevard. Like my trailer was parked like right next to that. So for two seasons, I'd go to work every day and that's like my office. I, I mean, it, it was it was just it was so great. And we ran two seasons. So I had broken my you know, my I was like, OK, now now we're going to two seasons now. And um, yeah, it was and I, I love when people love that show because I, I don't I don't think it got the love it deserved. So it's, it it's nice to. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that was like Reggie. Yeah. Reggie Jean Page. Yeah. Oh, I think. Look at him now. Look at him now. Well, I think it came in a time when Shondaland, like, of course, had Grays, but then it had like Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder, which were like the true crime of it all was very strong with the, the scan, not to use the title of Scandal, but they kind of were yeah. cliffhanging you and really always doing something like that. Whereas yours was more of a Grays type show, you know? And I think. Case of the Week type. It, yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why it didn't stick at the time, but hopefully people are finding it if it's available to stream now. I'm sure it is, right? Somewhere. Yeah, you can find it on um, Hulu, Amazon, places like that. But yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, it's it's kind of like, I think about this with Outsourced too. Like when I did Outsourced, it was sort of like the end of an era. It was kind of like the last bit of time where network television was really like at the forefront of everything. Yeah. And then for the people came several years later when network TV, like a lot of people aren't watching live anymore. Network, like, you know, uh, network TV isn't really the tent pole it used to be. So, you know, it was kind of like, I've, I've been involved in interesting TV shows and like these transitional times. And so like for the people, yeah, you're right. Like it was kind of like, in terms of the other Shondaland shows, you know, didn't quite didn't quite hit like the other ones did. And then, you know, then we're only a few a few years away from like inventing Anna, which I luckily got to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Very interesting. Okay, so we we almost have to say goodbye, but I do want to talk about Goodnight Oscar. Yeah. You were in it in Chicago. You've taken it to Broadway. Your star just won his Tony Award for it with a, an incredible speech. What has this experience been like for you to come back to Broadway with this show and, and to take it from Chicago here? You know, this this one is like, I know I've said this about a lot of the other projects, but like this, this one is so special because it came like towards the tail end of the pandemic pandemic i got this offer mm -hmm. to play jack paul like I, this is the story january of 22 i get an email from my agent and it says good night oscar ben rapaport offer and i'm like 
okay, what, you know, like reading or something or something like that. Offer. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. And I open the email and it's like, and then like my body is like in the stages of shock. Like as I look at the stuff, it's like, good night, Oscar. Goodman Theater, Sean Hayes, Jack Parr production, Broadway bound out. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is like a dream theater gig. And at the time when I received this offer, I was, I was at a real low point. You know, it was like we, we'd been through the pandemic. You know, we'd all been through so much. And I was just so low and so down. And this, and like, I, I was like, am I ever going to get to do theater again? You know, Broadway had been shut down for years at that point. We were all scared and we were all scrambling. And then I, and, and then I got to, I had six weeks to do research and like really dig into who Jack Parr was and, and I was so excited about playing a real person and trying to kind of find a balance of not doing an impersonation, but like on like, okay, like I, I need to absorb who this guy is, but I don't want to like, I don't want to do an impersonation. I want to do something where it's like me and him, but like meeting in the middle somewhere, you know, like some of the best biopics are like that where like it's still them, but they've yeah. got elements and flavors of the person that they're playing. So that was a cool thing. And then Sean in Chicago and, you know, Sean Hayes is just one of the most lovely, sweet, generous, intelligent, talented people. And and over the course of this process, we've become good friends. And, you know, he, I went to LA before uh, we started the Broadway run because I had some business to take care of out there, a storage unit to empty out. <laughs> I was going to be like, wow, that was so yeah. vague, the business to take oh, care yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hey. <laughs> He's like, hey, buddy, I'm going to be out here for a little while. Like, want to have dinner? And he's like, dinner? He's like, come stay at my house. So I stayed with him for a couple Aww. of nights, him and Scotty. And, and they opened up their home. I mean, it, it, like, it's just a really wonderful person. And to be on this ride with him and to see him get the big prize is so satisfying and deserved. And like these, it's so dreamy. That's what I keep, and this group people you know emily burgel alex wise marchant davis john strajewski peter gross and everybody else involved i mean like it's the cast is just it's such a we're all kind of old souls so it makes sense that we're, we're all doing this play that takes place in 1958 and we just mm -hmm. have the best time and it's truly like it's fun it's why they call it a play right because we're here to play and have a good time and that and this experience encapsulates that and to be a part of something that's so beloved is really mm -hmm. exciting for me. Oh, that's beautiful. You're Ben, you are so sweet. You're always like, at least on this podcast we've been doing, shouting out all <laughs> your like castmates and how grateful you are for your yeah. experiences. I can just feel it coming from you. I, I just mm -hmm. love to see it. You seem like such a grateful person. And I don't know, I'm just, a, I'm obsessed. You're my new crush from Klein High School up there with me. Hey. <laughs> um, I'll take it. That's so awesome. And Sean's really having a moment. I mean, between winning a Tony and having like the most popular podcast at the moment, he's really taking off here. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's incredible. I mean, did you guys watch that Smartless documentary series that they did on, on Max? No. Not yet, but I just saw it when I was scrolling last night on Max. <laughs> I love that y'all are using the official government name of Max. <laughs> yes, <now>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta stay with the times man you know you i know i know um it's so good and um it's funny because he once like he literally wrapped doing that tour that they did the documentary of and flew right to chicago to start goodnight oscar so it's kind of like oh, a cool. preamble to our experience 
And it'll be just through middle of August or end of August. We close uh, August 27th. Okay. Uh, nice summer and the summer in the city. You've got a couple months to come check us out. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's also a fun fact there too. Cause didn't the, the Jack Parr, was it called the, was it the tonight show or the late show? The tonight show. Yeah. It had filmed some episodes at the Hudson. Just a couple. That's yeah. right. That's right. And and funny enough, so this play takes place in 1958, and and the Tonight Show is in Hollywood for a week. So that's like the setting of the show. Oh. But where the, you know, but at the time, the, in 1958, it was filming at the Hudson Theater. That's so. So cool. exact time period, we're like literally like two buildings away from mm-hmm. it. So it's really kind of cool. Uh, if only it could have, if only the time you would have been right and y'all could have played. To be in the Hudson. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, that would have been wild. <laughs> Jessica Chastain was, she was holding it. She was holding she it was. down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like we could talk to you forever and ever about everything you've done in your life, but we do have to say goodbye. And before we do, we like to end with a dose of drama, which is like a pop culture recommendation, something you want to rant about, rave about, promote behind the scenes story you want to share fun fact it could truly be anything because drama is literally everything dylan do you want to kick us off today to begin yeah my one of my most anticipated albums of the year came out last week niall horan's third album the show everyone knows i love my irish king it is such a great album and i must say when it came out i wasn't sold on it immediately but the more that i've listened to it it's it's a slower album I will say, but it's, I think it's his most mature musically and lyrically. And although there might not be a ton of bops, I feel like he's moving in the right direction with, with his music, his sound. And I really hope this does well for him. You know, he's a coach on the voice now and he's going to be touring again next year. It's mostly sold out. So, you know, he's, he's kind of treading behind Harry Styles still as which member of 1D is the biggest, but I agree. um, I, I think he's, he's definitely, I don't think giving Harry a run for his money because Harry is probably like one of the most famous people in the world, but like <laughs> he's certainly paving his own path. Yeah. I, I'll say I like the album. It's not hitting for me. Like I'm not going back to it again and again, but maybe I'll throw it on. Yes, we will this week, the next two weeks. Okay, together. for sure. Okay. So I've been watching the new season of Queer Eye and I know everyone's yeah. kind of like, oh, like it hasn't been making waves. I feel as it, as it did previously in all the other seasons. But wow, they do a really great job. They really do. Mm. And I re- I've cried at every episode because not at like the, the queer hosts, although they do do a, a great job. It's the people that they're changing lives for. That's why the concept of the show could probably never get old because they are truly helping these people live a better life and feel better about themselves. And I think mm. I forgot that because all the shows I watch are like the housewives or, you know, these like thrilling dramas. But Wow, it's a really nice dose of positivity. And I know that sounds corny as hell, but I recommend the new season of Queer Eye for sure. It's a nice Pride Month dose of drama. There you go. There you go. Ben, do you have a dose of drama to send us home with? I do. I have been watching uh, the new season of The Other Two on on Max. Yeah, there we go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. I'm all caught up. Very rarely these days am I like laughing out loud at things I'm watching on TV. This thing has me cackling every time. It is so ridiculously funny. And also, like, it's such a great send-up of, of show business. Like, it's, oh, so, yeah. like, the specificity of, like, of what, like, the character of Carrie goes through and, in, in, like, you know, in his acting world. Like, 
so much of it like I've experienced firsthand and is so spot on and dead on like it's so like deliciously perfect so if if, if you even if like if you want to like get a, a kind of glimpse into like what you know what showbiz is like in like real showbiz like watch the other two like it's a little over the top but like it it just hits it so deliciously well and it's so so funny i oh, yeah. highly highly recommend and we had Helena York on a couple of years ago, like right in between oh. the first and second season. And she is just so perfect in the, in that role of Brooke. I really think perfect. that she takes it, but have you watched, did you watch the most recent one with her like telethon and Carrie going home for his high school reunion? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Oh my, you are going to, uh, well, you haven't been back to your high school yet. So, so maybe it won't hit as closely as, as one might think, but. It's the surrealism, like the insanity of it is they really lean into it in this uh, the whole this new season has been a bit of a risk, I think, in some ways, because they really go wild with some of the things that they do. I but. love I love the part where they're because like Helena York's character is like not in the industry anymore yeah. and they're at the party <laughs> and like because she's not in the industry anymore, she's invisible. Yeah, <laughs> like <that>. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's amazing. Good. And then like, and then I forget, it was like another character. She's like, just start talking about the industry. And like, you slowly start to see her hand reappear. <laughs> it's so good. It's genius. It's yeah. so good. I completely agree. Great suggestion. Um, it's also super queer. So if anybody, anybody yes. else wants a pride suggestion. Sorry, I'm tying in pride so much here. <laughs> just sorry on the brain. It's, it's June, you know? <laughs> yes. I have another, another drama, but this one's food related. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We love um, food. There is a uh, a coffee shop called Culture. I think there might be a few of them around the city, but there's one in mid, like south of Times Square near old, not old Ripley Greer, but like satellite Ripley Greer. And it's a coffee shop and they have baked goods and stuff. They have a gluten-free peanut butter cookie that is like better, honestly, it gives Schmackeries a run for its money. Ooh. Like, oh, wow. It's fighting words, Ben. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, seriously. <laughs> And it's like, it's thick and it's like, and it's gooey in the middle, but it's got like, kind of like a crispiness on the outside and it's salty. I love when I'm dealing with like dessert stuff. It's got to have like a good salt ratio in there. And it is like, oh, yeah, it sounds oh, amazing. I highly recommend. I need to do that when yeah, I Yeah, Dylan, we're going. Yeah. I was just going to say. Also, uh -huh. I love peanut butter, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd love this. You would love it. What's that one Upper West Side place that makes cookies that are like huge? Levan. Levan. They can be a little too much for me sometimes, I must say. Is this is this too is this big like that? I, no, it's not as big as that. It's like it's okay. maybe like I would say it's like half the size of a Levan cookie. Then I could eat it without feeling insane afterwards. <laughs> oh, totally. So. And gluten-free. Okay. You know? And gluten-free. Okay. I love it. Thank you for the double dose of drama there, Ben. I really double appreciate drama. it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's like Dylan said, you've been on our infamous drama Google Doc of people we want on the show forever. So I really appreciate you joining us and I cannot wait to see you in Goodnight Oscar. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, can't wait to have you there. Let me know when you come. Yeah. Oh yeah, we for sure will. And Ben, everyone can follow you on you're on Twitter and Instagram at just at Ben underscore Rappaport. That's right? right. Yeah, I'm mostly active on Instagram these days. So I would, I would okay, if, cool. if you want if you want like the the meat like the more current me content, head to Instagram. Awesome. And of course, while everyone's following Ben, they should follow us. We're at the Drama Podcast. Connor is at Connor McDowell. I am at Dylan McDowell. Thank you again, Ben. This was such a blast. And Connor, I will see you next time and also very soon drama, drama.